Tales for Curious Minds. And here is your host, Gary Cacciolio. Welcome, everyone, to another episode of Everything Imaginable. I am your host, Gary Cacciolillo. And before we get started, I want to thank everybody for listening and also thank the contributors to my show, who are executive producers Candice Sanderson, author of The Reluctant Messenger, Ms. Aida, psychic and author of Who Do Justice Magic, Tarot by Ginger at tarotbyginger.com, monthly co-host, Jared Murphy, author of It's Not Aliens, It's Worse, It's Us, and monthly co-host Kat Baldwin, author of The Forgiveness Workshop. If you are interested in contributing to this podcast, go to my website, everythingimaginable2020.com, and you'll find everything you need there. And now, without further ado, our guest for today is Ren Coy, and he has a podcast on recovery and also a book called all is one, the science and spirituality of consciousness. Thanks for coming on, Ryan. Thanks for having me, Gary. So this is good, man, because you know I, we were talking before, and I mentioned that I am also in recovery, and uh, you know, in you know my uh, my my spiritual point of view, as you can see behind me, is, is Buddhism and consciousness and exploring those different aspects. So um, this will be, I think it's going to be an interesting conversation, man. So um, tell me a little bit, like, um, you know, how you, uh, you know, about your, a little bit about your story, your addiction, how you got into recovery, and how you trans, you know, got interested in how the science of consciousness relates and puts it all together for you. Okay. Um, so I... Um, I've been in recovery now for just coming up to 12 years. Um, hit my rock bottom in 2009. Um, nothing particularly dramatic. It was it was alcoholism, and um, you know it was it was just basically the the, the, the bad times were outweighing the good times, and you know the people around me, especially my partner at the time, was suffering uh, through you know through my drinking and my behaviour. And the morning after my what turned out to be and hopefully will always be my, my last drink, I woke up and um, I just knew that I couldn't, you know, do it anymore. I knew that, that, that the game was over. And you know, it had been a a year of just con- continual drinking to blackout. Um, you know, doing things in blackout that I still to this day don't remember. You know, all sorts of, you know, drink driving, aggressive incidents, all that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. And um, and, I, and when I woke up, um, the last thing that I remember was, was I was sat on the sofa listening to old hip-hop music whilst the my partner and her sister and, and boyfriend were sat playing cards on the table. And I was just isolating myself, you know, in 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 a, in a room full of people that I loved. I was just sat isolating, and uh, they all kind of gave me this look of disappointment. And that was the first thing that I remembered when I woke up. So, as I said, I I just thought I just can't do this anymore. And I, and I got up to I got out of bed, and my partner wasn't in bed with me. And I went to freshen up, and I overheard her telling her sister that she was going to leave me if I didn't stop drinking. 
So that was kind of my moment of surrender, really, you know, my, my rock bottom. And I walked back into the bedroom. I got down on my knees and I said a, a very sincere prayer of uh, asking for help. And, you know, I wasn't a religious person at the time, nor a spiritual person, and, and but it was the only thing I could think to do. And when I stood up from that prayer, I just felt this kind of shift around my heart area. And, um, and that night, um, well, my partner came back into the bedroom and I, and I apologized and I said that, you know, I've decided that I'm not going to drink anymore. And um, she kind of said, you know, you've made these types of promises many times before. Mm -hmm. uh, what's different this time? And I just said, I don't know, but I, I do. I really, really mean it. And I went to bed that night. I had the best night's sleep I've ever had in my life to date. And, you know, in hindsight, I look back on it and, and you know, the war, the constant washing machine head that we talk about in recovery, um, the war of, you know, will I drink tonight? Will I not drink tonight? Um, you know, that was over, that had, that had gone. And... I just had I had peace for the first time in as long time as I can remember, and when I woke up the next day, we were so we were actually flying to Australia, but on the way we had a stop off in Thailand because um, we were we were potentially emigrating, and the next day we um, we went to the airport and I picked up a book which was uh, called The World's Religions by Hudson Smith. Mm -hmm. For some reason, I, I I just had this you know inkling that i wanted to read this book and i read it cover to cover on the flight to thailand and by the time i got to the other side i kind of my my, my take on it at that time was that i felt as though religions were kind of like fairy tales for grown-up people really and they were trying to explain the mysteries you know of the universe and um, i just didn't think that religion was for me so that was kind of where i was at when i, I landed in thailand and I, um, miraculously, I had absolutely no desire to drink. So I'd gone from being, you know, an addict, an alcohol addict, 24 hours previous, having to have alcohol, to the next day, having no obsession for the, for the alcohol whatsoever. So, you know, I knew that something had happened to me. And that kind of, that kind of started my, my spiritual journey. And, I mean, the, the, the story of, of my journey in Australia is a very long story, so I'm not going to go into the whole, the whole details of that unless you, unless you want to know the finer details. But basically what happened was I had a series of... Um, I, met, I met a guy who was a born-again Christian, and he suggested that I ask for a sign because obviously this, you know, I, I, I didn't know what had happened to me. I did, couldn't understand how, I, how one, you know, one moment I was an alcoholic and the next moment I wasn't drinking anymore. And he asked me, he told me to ask for a sign and I asked for a sign and I got this incredible sign from the universe to tell me that, you know, I asked it, I asked, I said, if there's a God, I need a sign. And, and I got this unbelievable sign. So that kind of woke me up to the idea of, of some sort of a higher power. And then within a year, we left Australia and, and went back to the UK to live in the UK. But because I had no kind of, formal program or anything i was just abstinent mm. from alcohol i descended into you know um kind of homicidal and suicidal thoughts really and by the end of that year i i, I wanted to kill myself and i i had two options really at, at that time one of them was to pick up a drink and to you know to medicate the pain and and the other one was to uh to kill myself and 
a third option presented itself, which was try Alcoholics Anonymous. And, um, and I knew a bit about AA because my dad uh, is in recovery and, and my dad's been in recovery for 31 years now. Um, but I didn't know anything about, you know, the rooms or I didn't know what it was about. I just decided that um, I was going to try it and I tried it. And, um, and I've never looked back since, you know, and I've been, I've been sober, uh, I've been sober ever since then. And about three or four years into my sobriety, I started to really, I mean, I changed careers. So I went from being in sales and being a DJ as well previously mm. to working in uh, the substance misuse field. So I, I retrained as a drug and alcohol counselor. And that was when I, I really started to get interested in addiction itself. Um, so I started to write and I, and I wrote my first book that I wrote, um, in, I think it was in 2015, was uh, called Addiction Prevention, 12 Steps to Spiritual Awakening. So that was what started my kind of journey into, into writing. And then the book that, um, I've, that I've just been, that's just been published, um, All Is One, The Science and Spirituality of Consciousness that we're talking about today is actually my fifth book. Um, so it's kind of been a, a slow progression of, of understanding in terms of, you know, spirituality, religion. I started then to look into more into the science um, of, you know, quantum physics, etc. And um, when the pandemic hit, it gave me the opportunity to write this this fifth book, which is the one that we're kind of discussing today. Interesting. Um, so I know from my own experience that in the rooms, uh, especially AA, uh, you know, my first impression has always been like, these, these are Christians, you know, like, like they're saying the Our Father, um, stuff like that. If you read their literature, it's, to me, it reads very Christian, even though they, they, they revert sometimes and go, they use the word higher power, you know, but then they'll go back and say God, or, you know, it, it switches in and out. And, it never, nowhere in that literature does it really talk about consciousness. And I, like, that's a, like, to me, like, like, that's one of the, the things that's really missing in the program. Um, how did, how, like, how did you cope? Like, like, when you first started reading, you know, the literature that, that was presented to you, what was your initial interpretation of it then? And how you interpret it now? I think that initially, I under, you know, I, I understood that those things that you've just said, you know, I understood where it had, where it had come from, and and how it had been, you know, how the fellowship had been formed, and I didn't necessarily uh, believe everything that I was being taught or everything that I read in the big book, and I think that that was what led to me writing my first i mean interesting so in the uk it's not quite as christian as it is in the us mm -hmm. so you get the, the the minority are are kind of um what you would call fundamentalists you know in, in aa that's the minority the majority are very much are very much broader um so the word higher power gets used more than the word god and right. and i when I started writing my first book, this, the whole point of writing this book was because I had a similar, I didn't have, I didn't have necessarily issues with the things that, that were being said. I just, I, I, I just had a different take on things. Like for example, the perfect example is 
in the big book, um, in the doctor's opinion, it talks about um, alcoholics have got an allergy to alcohol. Well, I'm a rational scientific thinker and I don't believe that. Mm-hmm. That's not something that I believe. And the reason why I don't believe it is because if you've got an allergy to alcohol and you put alcohol in your system, you will have an anaphylactic shock in the same way that you would if you had an allergy to peanuts. So using the word allergy for me, I mean, this book was written in, what, 1935. So yeah. at that time, that was what they believed. So, okay, fair enough. It's not an allergy, but I believe that I do have an intolerance to alcohol because I know for a fact that when I drink alcohol, I definitely behave differently than, let's say, my best friend, David, who, when he drinks, he d- I have one, one or two drinks and I change. So there's something going on there. Physiologically, there's some effect. So I can, I can reconcile with that. So rather than say an allergy, I'd say an intolerance. Then with the higher power stuff and, you know, and God. So something that never gets mentioned in Alcoholics Anonymous is that when Bill Wilson was drying out in the uh, New York Towns Hospital, Mm-hmm. they gave him belladonna treatment now belladonna treatment is a psychedelic so this white light experience that bill wilson had potentially could be the result of some of, of psychedelics that might have been the reason why he's you know he, he kind of experienced god now i'm not saying that i'm not saying that definitely is the case because everybody you know lots of people have had experiences of a higher power and it's not necessarily brought on by psychedelic drugs but it's a it's a possibility and also that when he wrote the the twelve and twelve with his um, sponsee Tom, he wrote that book off the back of his LSD experiments. Mm-hmm. So there's a lot of stuff that's gone on within you know the formation of this fellowship that isn't really spoken about, and which I have researched and I've written about. And I've and I, and I suppose what it is, Gary, is that I'm just very very open minded. Like I've tried psychedelics in my I never did psychedelics in my addiction phase. But in recovery, I've had some huge um, psychedelic experiences. There, there haven't been addictive experiences because I've not gone back and reused those um, those medicines as I class them. So I'm just very, very open-minded. And, and how I reconcile it for me personally is I see the fellowship as a community. You know, it's it's I, I go there and I just get out of it what I need. And what I need is I need connection with other human beings mm-hmm. that understand me and understand like my, you know, my illness, you know, and, and understand we can help each other. So that's what I get out of it. What they believe and what I believe doesn't really bother me at all, to be honest. Interesting. You know, there, you're right. Like there is a lot about his story that is not talked about. And one of them too is also not just the psychedelics, but his his search for spirituality too is not mentioned in here. Like he was, you know, experimenting things like the occult and seances and and, and stuff like that too, and, and is never talked about. Yeah. And, and meditation as well. You know, meditation yeah. has about one paragraph. I don't, I don't think it even has a paragraph in the big book. I think it's got like a few lines. You know, and as I said, when he wrote the 12 and 12, obviously he wanted to go into more detail about each individual step. So there's an, there's, a, there's an entire chapter dedicated to step 11 and he talks in much more detail about meditation. And I know for a fact that he's, he was really disappointed when, um, cause meditation was a huge thing at the beginning, apparently in, you know, in the AA meetings that they had in the houses of the, the first kind of hundred men and women and, and then, you know, the next few hundred people. And then it kind of started to drop out the meditations and, 
you know, he, like you said, he was on a, he was a, he was a seeker and I'm a seeker as well. So I completely relate to Bill Wilson. I understand that, you know, what he was searching for is what exactly what I'm searching for. And, and my first sponsor was an atheist. And um, so he took me through the big book and he, he took me through the big book with the 12 and 12 and, it, you know, and, and we went through it quite slowly and methodically. And all the all the time, he would always say to me, you know, I don't believe in God. Like this, this is not something that you know. I, I believe in my higher power is the the power of the rooms, and you know, and and that was fine by me. And then many years later, after I moved away, I found out that he's actually a Buddhist now. You know, he's he's practicing Buddhism. So what that suggests to me is he probably got reached a point where there was. You know, it, 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 there was a bit of a, a void still. He still wanted that void. Mm-hmm. He still needed something to fill that void. And and I'm um, very much a person that just enjoys learning about these spiritual practices. And, and you know, and I, I wouldn't class myself as a Buddhist, but I practice Vipassana meditation. I've been on a Vipassana meditation, 10-day silent retreat. Um, mm-hmm. I constantly read philosophy and, and uh, spiritual work because I just want to, understand you know different practices and i used to be very rigid in my early recovery where I, you know i used to think oh i've got to do this and i've got to do it this way whereas now i just kind of like pick things up put them down again pick some other things up put them down again and whatever works for me is is cool you know i'm, I'm the same way and also i would say my first i don't know 20 years i was atheist or agnostic whatever you know i was not a believer i used the fellowship because the, you know i've to me it just makes sense that as, as a group of people we a group of people can do something that one person can't like if i want to go try to pick up a truck i'm not going to do it by myself but get 10 people around that truck you can pick it up you know it's like like that yeah. simple type of logic worked for me and and, and so to me it was Really, really, I was always really focused on fellowship and connecting with other people and being able to be honest with them and get honest feedback from them, too, because my thinking isn't, my brain's miswired. And that's why, that's what it's caused, I think, my addiction is this miswiring in my brain. And it was probably, it's probably genetic because it's in the family, you know? Um, and like it being like an allergy. Um, but it wasn't until like 20 years later when I started meditating. That was that, like the two, two huge game changers for me it was one, putting down the drink and not picking up that first one. And the second big thing that happened was like 20 years later is when I started to sit down and meditate and actually learn about my thoughts and being able to observe them rather than have to constantly engage with them. Yeah. Well, I think that, you know, there's, there tends to be two, more or less two different types of recovery. There's the type of recovery like that you've had where you've gone into, um, you know, the fellowship and you've got honest straight away, you know, and, and that honesty has um, meant that you've forged good relationships with people because you're being vulnerable with them. They're being vulnerable with you. It's all about the fellowship. And then later on, the kind of spiritual aspect of it starts to happen. Where And then there's the other side of it, which is what, what happened to me, where I had a huge spiritual or a series of spiritual mm-hmm. experiences and then got heavily into the spiritual side of things. But the honesty side of it and the kind of vulnerability and the sharing with, with people has come much later for me. <laughs> I, I've kind of like only just, you know, I'm this is my 11th year and I'm mm-hmm. kind of 
I'm still not 100% honest. I still can be dishonest with myself sometimes. I can still be a little bit sneaky sometimes, you know, with things. I mean, and I'm not talking about yeah. big things. I'm just talking yeah, about little things, like, little things like pinching the girl, you know, my stepchildren's chocolate or something like that out of the fridge, like that kind of thing, you know, the, the stupid little things, but things that I know don't feel right for me. So I'm, I'm trying to, I'm trying to kind of like work on that at the moment. And as far as the spiritual stuff goes, the meditation, I mean, I was, you know, I was meditating for a minimum of an hour every day for years. Whereas now, because of the situation with my family and work and et cetera, I might do 15, 20 minutes a day. Mm-hmm. And, um, and some, some days I don't meditate and that's just how it is at the moment. And yeah. I never thought that I would kind of like, I thought that that would never happen. You know, I, I thought, well, now I'm a meditator. I will meditate religiously for life. But yeah, I'm just, I'm just more kind of relaxed around it because I think that the, the key thing for me and, and, you know, bringing it back to the subject of consciousness, the key thing is, is that when I started to write this book, I already had from writing the previous books, I already had the viewpoint that the universe itself, like it, whatever we call God, the higher power, uh, the Tao, whatever you want to call it, is God. The universe is God experiencing itself. You know, I that's kind of completely. like, my, yeah, that's my understanding. So it's a creative process and we're part of that creative process. And um, consciousness is the same thing. Like co- the universe is conscious. Conscious, like energy consciousness is what matter comes from, not the other way around. Matter doesn't create consciousness. Consciousness creates matter. And it, every, that, all, that encompasses everything. That encompasses the yin and the yang. There's no such thing as good and bad. That's something that we, that's a, that those are labels that we assign to things. And I just kind of, when I, when I slowly but surely came to this conclusion and, and that was through meditation and through these psychedelic experiences, I just kind of reached a point where I, I, for me, I just understood that Knowing, having that knowledge means that I don't have to place so much importance on certain practices, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. So I can just, I can just concentrate on just living and being, you know, like my main thing to do is, is to try to be present for my life and for the people around me. So that's kind of like where, where I'm at right now, really. Interesting. You know, me too. Um, I've, had to life is ever changing you know like they say like the one thing that 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 never changes is change and as human beings we have to be adaptable to those changes so sometimes that rigidity that 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 is often found in spiritual practices and in, in recovery doesn't quite move with that rigidity that you know like at least in in some cases you know i mean i've, I've ex- there's always been like some different schools of thought. One is um, take what you want and leave the rest. And then there's people that say, if you don't do this, you're going to drink again. And, and I think that can be conflicting too for people. I think it's very difficult in recovery because there's no, there's no one person. I mean, this is, I think this is the reason why cults are so, prevalent you know and cult, cults are so appealing to people because 
you get this one guru who tells you what the truth is. You know, this one person who says to you, follow me, do what I do, and you will be happy. Well, you don't get that in recovery. What you get in recovery is you get some guiding principles, the 12 steps and 12 traditions, and you get a, a person who you choose to be your sponsor who's been through those 12 steps themselves, taken through them by another member, and you are essentially it's essentially it's like having a lay therapist in a way mm-hmm. they're, they're not a guru they're just a normal person and they and, and they tend to have loads of issues themselves you know and it's very difficult to discern what is the right way to do to do it you know to do recovery so for me i think that what it really boils down to is do whatever works for you you know if you're perfectly fat like if you if you've been in recovery and you're you're perfectly fine, not going to meetings and you're happy and you know and and um, you, you don't need you don't need that community you don't, you don't need whatever it is that it's giving you it's you know it might be making you feel worse than it was making you feel mm-hmm. better and don't do it you know that's that that's cool if it's if it's working for you and you're getting a lot out of it and you know and and it's still. Which, which for me, I've been, I've been through ups and downs. At, at this moment in time, it still gives me something. When I go to the meetings, I enjoy seeing the people that I see there. Um, I enjoy, you know, like giving my number to newcomers and, and getting those phone calls from them and, and helping them. And I enjoy taking people through the big book and the twelve steps. Um, but there's been periods of, of my recovery where I haven't been as enthusiastic about it, and you know, there's been other other times when I've been. All I did was go to meetings in my early recovery. Mm-hmm. All I did was like five, six, seven meetings a yeah. week, and and the, and it became it became too much, you know. And 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 also the other thing is, is well, there's a lot of people in in the rooms that you know I don't necessarily. I wouldn't say I don't like them, but they're not my type of people. Like I wouldn't I wouldn't meet them for coffee. I wouldn't um, have any 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 relationship with them if it wasn't for the fact that I saw them in the rooms. But I'm okay with that as well. That's okay. You know, just seeing those people, you know, once or twice a week is enough. And it's so it's a place where the whole thing about this whole thing about consciousness and about us all conscious conscious beings, what I've said I've just said this on recently on, on on interviews that I've done is what I'm trying to do is I'm trying like I'm having this conversation with you now, Gary. What I say to myself before I have a conversation with anybody and during the conversation as well is that you are a manifestation of the divine and I am a manifestation of the divine and actually we are the same thing. Mm-hmm. So you, so in, in essence, I'm, I'm having a conversation with myself yeah. and that somehow brings me to a place of inner peace and I can listen to what you're saying and I can react to it. And I, and I do that when I go to the meetings as well. You know, I used sometimes I used to sit there and I'd think, oh, this person's sharing the same thing they always share, and this person's mentally unwell, and you know, I was basically sat there judging them. Whereas yep. now, Been yeah, <laughs> whereas now I just I just think to myself, this is this person is is a, is a manifestation of me. Oh, yeah. I am a manifestation of them, and actually, they've probably got something that I need to hear, and that's kind of how I'm trying to live my life. And it's and it's difficult, you know. Like I've had I've had issues recently with certain people, and and it's been been challenging. Um, but when I pl- employ that way of thinking, it just it just kind of like melts all the barriers. Hmm. 
Yeah, I, I completely agree. I look at that too. I've gone through my phases where I was judging everything that people were saying. And now I do look at them. It's just, they're just as more of part of, they're part of my universe. I'm a part of their universe. There is no real, there is no separation. There, 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 there's, there's none. So if I'm judging, then I'm judging myself too. Definitely. And that's like when we get to that place of, in the conversation, when we say that there is no separation, you know, there'll be people that will listen to this or people that will read my book and they'll think, I don't understand what you're talking about. So what I've tried to do is I've tried to really, really simplify that idea. I mean, ultimately, when we say there's no separation, everything in the universe is made of energy. Every single thing is made of energy. So, you know, if you if you look at you as a you as an individual and me as an individual, actually with a, exactly the same energy, mm-hmm. it, it looks as though there's a there's a physical difference to us, but there's not. The you know the energy that is air, everything is just one mass of energy. Um, and what interests me about the scientific view on this is is panpsychism and pandeism is. The idea that that energy, so panpsychism says that every single thing in existence contains consciousness, basically, which I agree, which is what where at the the the, the, the um, angle that I'm coming from, and pandeism suggests that the universe is God experiencing itself. Mm-hmm. So those two things to work together for me, and that is an explanation of what the universe is. So therefore. There definitely is no separation. There certainly is no separation with all the energy. So there is no separation between us as human beings. And if we can try, I mean, if everybody tried to reach that way of understanding, all the problems in the world would cease. Yeah, it's like that, um, you know, we're all drops of water, but we're part of the same ocean. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know, isn't that that's the best analogy, isn't it? It is one of my favorites. Yeah, <laughs> definitely. And you know, and, and when you look at, I mean, I'm I'm sure, obviously, with you being a, a Buddhist practitioner, you know, when you look at the life of the Buddha and what he went through, and you know, to to reach enlightenment, it's people like him that have had these these enlightenment experiences. And you know, there's been many people since him, and, the, and I'm sure there was many people before him. Yeah, um, who that. They all teach. This is what they teach us. They, this is they. They have walked the path, and they have said that this is how the universe works. Now, you, you don't have to take their word as bond, but the, the thing is that if you follow exactly the same path, or if you even go on your own path, you always everybody always comes to the same conclusions. And science is actually telling us the same thing. Quantum physics is, is saying exactly the same thing. So the aim of the book was to show in, in layman's terms as best as possible how hopefully at some point in the not-so-distant future, quantum physics will actually prove what these great mystics of the past were, were telling us. Um, because I think that that is the truth, and that's the, and that's the truth that we should all be taught. If we were all taught that from a young age... Things would be very, very different. You know, the the enlight this 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 kind of um, a global awakening, a global enlightenment that people like yourself and myself hope for would would happen if we all viewed it in, in that way. I think. Hmm. I agree with you a hundred percent. 
how do you think religions will take like like obviously like like the religious people out there the heads of these religions are aware that there is this movement towards you know experiencing the world through the view of just consciousness and energy do you think that they have a resistance to it or do you think they can contribute to it it's a very difficult question to answer i mean my my rational mind tells me that they would have a resistance to it mm-hmm. because i believe that they have so much power and control that they will not want to relinquish that power and control and i mean i'm specifically thinking of things like the catholic church you know that i can't ever imagine that they would um want to go down that route because essentially what what that particular organization is saying is that you in order for you to talk to god you need to come to us first and that's the antithesis of what I believe. I believe that you, don't, you certainly don't need a church. You certainly don't need you know, a synagogue. You certainly don't need any particular place to have a connection with, you know, with, with, with God, with a higher power. You can do that from the seat that you're sat in right now. However, my heart tells me that I've, you know, I've had I've had some really good experiences with with various religions mm-hmm. and various spiritual. Uh, practices and I believe that you know they certainly have a place because essentially like that led me on my spiritual path as well you know I I was I had a Catholic grandparent and a Protestant grandparent and they did have a little bit of an influence on me when I was younger you know they and I and I and I enjoy being in churches and I enjoy I enjoy being in spiritual places I think there's a a kind of like there's a a peace and mm-hmm. a stillness and Me too. there's power generated in certain places that I think is is very um, it's just it's just worthwhile for us as a hum- as humanity to have those places so I would hope that we just all go on the journey together really I would hope that you know that these people that are leading these religions will have their own awakenings anyway and it'll all just kind of happen together but Maybe that's wishful thinking. I don't know. What do you think? Uh, I don't know. You know, like, I, I mean, I feel like the, like logically they probably should be resisting. Um, I do get the same sense of going into churches and in, in any type of spiritual place, even nature, though, too, uh, of this sense of wholeness. I mean, all I have to do is look up to the sky and kind of feel it at night, especially. Um, however... One of the things I look at as like maybe religion is like spirituality 101 for beginners, you know, and people get ridiculously attached to it and they can't let go of it and move on to the next level. Um, but the idea that the people that are in these organizations are going to reach their own type of re-enlightenment is something I've never really thought about, you know, but it has happened like, like Tolstoy you know, and, and 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 some others. I think Mother Teresa had, you know, that. And um, no, even maybe the current Pope has a little bit of idea. I'm not sure, but you know, he's definitely different than the others that that yeah. have been around since I've been alive. Yeah, 
I'd agree with that, yeah. I th- well, it's interesting, isn't it, that whenever there's a figure in history that has... You know, and they're all saying the same thing. If you look at if you look at Jesus, if you look at the Buddha, if you look at any you know any any spirit any great spiritual figure, they were all pretty much saying the same thing. And then when they died, churches were built around them. You know, organizations were built around them. It'd be interesting to see with people like um, you know people like Ram Dass, for example, who's just passed. Yeah. You know, people like Eckhart Tolle when he passes, people who have had a huge spiritual influence on the modern era. Be interesting to see whether churches and organizations form around their name because essentially that's what's happened, isn't it? Like I don't believe that any of these figures intended for for that to happen. I think that it just happens naturally because people want something to follow and and I agree with you that it is, you know, it, it it's a good starting point for people to have the problem is that they do become attached to it and they they miss the point often you know like the point really the point is to point the point is to put you in touch with a higher power and this is the reason this is the reason why I do and do love the 12 step fellowship so much because in the big book of alcoholics anonymous it's very very clear as to what the the point of of working through the 12 steps is and the, and it says in the big book that they um you know, they, they formulated this program to uh, put you in touch with a higher power that will solve your problem. Now, once you've had that spiritual awakening, they give you no direction as to where to go from there. So, mm. and that's a good thing, in my opinion. That means what we're going to do is we're going to give you a program that will help you achieve that, and then it's up to you what you do from now on. You know, like you you go go with it however you will. And I, and I love that. I think if all religions were that way, then it would be it would be a very different conversation. Hmm. One of the funny things is um, where where I first got sober, um, a lot of us um, would would go to wherever the meeting was, but end up hanging outside or going somewhere to eat <laughs> instead of actually being in the meeting. You know, because all of us had like significant amounts. We all had like more than 20 years. So we've all, you know, heard everything that there is to hear. You know, we're there <laughs> to help people. But actually being in there and listening to that repetition is like, okay, we, we've, we've done this. So we would go out to eat and, and, and really talk about the, the next level of dirt that we have to deal with, you know? Like the real stuff that you can't talk about in, in a meeting, you know? Um, you know, the, the, the dirty shit that we're fucking ashamed of, basically. And, and, and we could talk about it. We could laugh about it and, and, and unload that. And we used to jokingly call that level two. <laughs> you know, like the next level of, of, of what recovery is, you know. And, and maybe it's the same way with religion. Maybe there's like a level one and then some people make it to level two. I would absolutely agree with that. Definitely, I think that there's um, there's, there's there's levels to spirituality as well. I think once you've gone to level two, where you've kind of recognised that you don't necessarily need a um, formal religion to have a relationship with a higher power, then there's 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 more levels to that as well. Because as I said before, you know, like if you if I've ever come across, if I've ever watched a, a YouTube video or read a book of somebody who I would would say is kind of very high up in the levels of spirituality, they would say things like, 
life should be a meditation. You know, make every make every um, act that you do a meditation, that kind of thing. And ultimately, what they're saying is be present in everything that you do. You know, be present when you even when you're washing the dishes. You know, you hear that a lot, don't you, in Buddhism yeah. and other, other traditions? But like, make sure that you that you're present when you're washing the dishes, and that actually like sweeping the you know sweeping the garden and, and mowing the lawn can be a very uh, spiritual experience if you're present and if you're concentrating on on what you're doing and you're and you're taking it all in and understanding how this how this is affecting you and your spiritual journey so i definitely think that there's 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 lots of levels to it but i tell you what i'm really holding out for gary i'm holding out for when the aliens arrive i think that that will be the turning point <laughs> <laughs> Uh, if you listen, never listen to my other episodes. According to most of my episodes, the aliens have already arrived, <laughs> and we're probably <laughs> well, I, a part of it. <laughs> I have listened to a few of yours actually, and I think one of one of the conversations you did get talking about that. But you know, all jokes aside, I mean, the I mean, I don't know about you, but I've I've actually had two experiences of seeing UFOs in my life. So yeah, I had one, um, yeah, and I'm I'm not you know so in in no way do I not believe. For, for a start that we're on our own like that's just crazy to me to, to even think that we would be the only life form in the universe um i also believe that i'm pretty you know from all the evidence i'm sure we've been v- being visited for thousands and thousands of years yeah. and um it'll just be interesting I, I just wonder whether in our lifetime i mean it's obviously the question that everybody wants answered isn't it you know i would just wonder whether in our lifetime whether disclosure will actually happen because i think that if that did happen that would change absolutely everything literally everybody on the planet would within an instant become a human being rather than a muslim or a christian or a texan or Mm -hmm. a mancunian you know everybody would just be okay we're humans now we're humans living on earth and there's these other life forms out there living on other planets far more technologically advanced than we are what can we learn from them you know because if they wanted to destroy us they would have already done that so therefore surely there's lots to learn you know and and then also on on the and as an addition to that when you do have psychedelic experiences especially with anything dmt related which is what i have i've i had a, an ayahuasca experience and lots of people that i know of uh, of have had uh, bufo experiences dm other dmt experiences they've had con- connection with other beings in different mm-hmm. realms they've actually seen that and, and and communed with them and you know for me that's an, another thing that we should really be investigating this and this should be at the forefront of our scientific endeavors because it's what's more important you know i can't see anything that's more important than is there is there life out there, and how can we communicate with them? I've probably done close to a hundred episodes on this topic, and you know, I believe that the extraterrestrial concepts or the idea of of angelic beings or multidimensional beings is a large part of spirituality. And when you mentioned disclosure, you know, I think. Disclosure has happened already for those who are ready to accept it. Because I think that these beings are able to communicate to us through 
consciousness. They have found a way to tap into consciousness and communicate with us and to actually physically manifest in front of us if we can allow ourselves to be open for, to that experience. Because that's how I had my experience with the, seeing a UFO. I had interviewed somebody and who, who, you know, Preston Dennett, and he was telling, you know, we were talking about the CE5 thing, and he's sort of like the one who actually came up with the practice. And I was doing it in my backyard one night, and it worked. It manifested. All I had to do was be open to have that experience, and the experience happens. Wow. What was so? What was what was the practice? Uh, it's simple, man. You just go outside. You, you kind of clear your mind, and you and you just kind of put it out to say, "Hey, you know, if, if there's any life out there, give me something." You know, like like in your like when you ask for a sign from the universe. And um, and one night I saw something moving across the sky. First, it was moving straight. And I thought, "Oh, it's a, probably a satellite." And then all of a sudden, it just quickly veered off in the complete opposite direction. I was like, "Wow." Like, there's no that way that was a satellite or a plane. That was pretty much identical to my experience. Um, my, my second experience, so my first experience was when I was quite young in my early 20s. And I was driving home from work and I had about three or four people, uh, about three people in the car with me. And something flew over us, like very low, like massive, flew, flew over us and went. Oh, it was like we were driving next to an old mill mm-hmm. and, it, and it flew over the mill. And when we, 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 we jumped out, because we obviously we thought it was a plane like going down initially. So we jumped out of the car and we just caught the back end of it, which looked kind of like saucer shaped. And then um, the next day in the local newspapers, there was loads of reports of a sighting wow. of a UFO. So that was the first one. And then the second one was similar to your experience when I was on the top of a mountain and we would, we'd done a, a like an all day hike to the top of a mountain in Gran Canaria. And, um, we were on top of this mountain about to do a, a midnight yoga session and me and my Italian friend were looking out into the starry, you know, moonlit sky. And I just said to him, how cool would it be now if we saw a UFO? And then we were just looking at, and it was saw exactly the same thing. It was a, it looked like a satellite and then it just started going and just moving. <laughs> and, and obviously given how far away it was, the, the distances it must've been traveling were just absolutely insane. So, mm-hmm. Yeah, so I totally relate to that, and I think that I think you're right. I think when you when you are open to it, you, yeah, I think you have these experiences. And those people that are closed minded to it, I mean, well, I don't think there is that many people that are closed minded to it now, actually. And I think no. what you just said then about the disclosure thing, you're probably right. I think most people are just waiting for a, a global announcement, really. And that's not going to happen. I think I, th- I think this disclosure has to happen on a personal level. You know, because even even if it happened on a global level, if governments come out and say it, only fifty percent of people are going to believe it. Because because most people don't believe what the governments tell us. That's true. That's so true, yeah. so why would we believe them anyway? You know, like we could, oh, they're just trying to scare us now or something. Yeah, you yeah, know, or or they're going to charge us for protection. <laughs> you know, yeah. use a mob tactic. <laughs> oh, yeah, that'll be the next one. It'll be an intergalactic alien tax. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I mean, you know, it's um, it's interesting, isn't it? The whole the, the whole thing is interesting. The whole question of you know, extraterrestrial life, of, of consciousness, everything. It's just so interesting. 
And the frustrating thing about talking about it and writing about it in a way is that there are no concrete answers at this moment in time. Um, and, you know, who knows? Will will there ever be? I don't know. But it, it was fun to write the book. And I think that what's happened in my life through writing that book, actually, what's what happened was um, I realised that I spent quite a lot of my life still... Um, seeking approval from from other people and still and doing you know and doing things that yes you know i enjoyed writing books and i enjoyed i I used to run this podcast life in recovery and i did a 101 episodes of that and i enjoyed doing the podcast but during the pandemic after i wrote the book i i I deleted everything like I, i just literally said right i need a rest i need to concentrate on doing what i've talked about in this book which is being present the book starts off with when my, my daughter Alice was born, actually. So that was in February 2020, and she's now um, just gone two years old. Um, and I've spent the last two years with her, you know, like with, with her and with my family and concentrating solely on investing my time into into them. And um, I'm no longer on social media. I don't do the podcast anymore. I haven't written anything since the book's been published. I've just been relaxing and, and, and taking it easy in my spare time. And you know what, Gary, I've, I've, I've never felt better. I've never felt better in my life, but I've got more peace mm-hmm. of mind now than I've ever had in my life. And I also started doing jujitsu about six months ago as well, Brazilian jujitsu. And that's been wonderful because it's a very spiritual uh, martial art and, and that's really helped me physically and, you know, keeping me fit and stuff. So I, I do, I do have a very simple life, um, and that's just works for me at, at this moment in time. I, I, again, I, I understand. I've written write my own book called Enlightenment Guaranteed, and um, and you know, with the podcast, I've done like close to four hundred and fifty episodes in less than two years, wow. and you know, and now I'm starting to think like, um. You know, my, my idea is that like, what I want to do with the podcast is to get multiple people to host it other than myself. To keep it going, to keep the topic going. Because I've created something that has an audience. So to, to, to completely for me to let it go would be insane, you know. Yeah. Because it yeah. can help people. Awesome. But if I can, you know, get other people to host it and I just, you know, work behind the scenes or or, or – Maybe like one of the things I've come up with is like maybe doing like a live thing once a week instead of while other people host the podcast and and just kind of grow more in the direction of like a spirituality media type of company, you know, and and try to get it to grow in an organic fashion, you know, not like a corporate structured fashion, but something that's organic that's going to have a life of its own, you know, that's what I really, really want for this. And um, and if I ever get the urge to write another book, maybe I will, maybe I won't. I don't know, you know. Brilliant, yeah. I mean, it's, uh, it's it's it was difficult for me to let go of doing my podcast as well because for the same reason, you know, I I knew that it was had a had a bit of a following and um, it was uh it was helping people and that was the reason why I started doing the podcast in the first place. So I completely appreciate where you're coming from and. Um, and, and I suppose, you know, if my, if my daughter hadn't been born at that time, um, 
maybe I would have still been doing it and maybe I will go back to doing it in the future. I, I really don't know. That's the great thing, isn't it, about life? Mm-hmm. You can just have an open mind and, and just do whatever feels right at the time. Um, but I think that podcasts like yours are just really important, you know, like for people to be able to have these conversations and, um, and you know, it makes people, people feel like they're not alone, which is the most important thing for me. You know, people listen to the conversations like this and they're not normal everyday conversations. So not everybody feels comfortable speaking to just anybody about these types of topics. So for people to be able to listen to this and interact with you guys and the, the, you know the other guys that run the podcast, I think it's um, it's a great thing. Thanks. Yeah, you know, and it, I, yeah, the, getting the information out in helping people not feel alone is one is one of the key things. You know, one of the other, like I mentioned, like getting you know <coughs> sober was a big event. Learning to meditate was a big event for me, and then the other thing was I had a near death experience, and I was like, you know not long before I started the podcast. And that's when I really felt a shift towards like, I want to do, I want to create something. I want to create something that's going to make the world a better place. Because during that experience, I felt such an incredible peace, you know, that, and, and like afterwards though, I felt incredible chaos. And I still do. I've never been the same again since. You know, I mean, I guess it was sort of a side effect. Like, if you're going to feel, like, that much peace, then you're going to have to feel the opposite later on. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You know? And, and people even ask me, like, about the book. You know, like, like, like people like, well, why is it you're like this then? You know, like, like you know, everything's emptiness and, and, and there's no thoughts and there's this and that. And now it's like I'm, like, hyper-focused on all kinds of cr- – of stuff, you know, I'm like the, almost like the complete opposite of what I wrote in my book, you know. But again, there, there's there's that yin yang thing. I, it's just not, I'm just not going to be able to have one without the other. Not as long as I'm in the state of the physical reality and duality. Yeah, and like you said earlier, I mean, one of my favorite phrases is "change is the only true constant," you know, mm-hmm. and, and and things change. Don't they? Like we change, we change, and especially when you're in on this type of path. You change quite rapidly, you know, like something can change very quickly and then you do something for a while and then it changes again. So, you know, the person that you were before the book was one person, the person that you are now is another person. And that totally makes sense to me. Um, I think that the, uh, the key to, the key to all of this is, is to just keep growing and evolving, isn't it? You know, like mm-hmm. just go along with the, go along with the ride and, um, so long as our intentions are, are, are positive, I can't see that, that, you know, it's always going to help people. So that's a, a wonderful thing. You've got me intrigued now as well as to what, what happened in your near-death experience. How did you nearly die? Well, it was during an epileptic seizure, and it lasted about 30 minutes. And it was just like being in the center of the galaxy. Like, like I was like in a black hole or something, and everything was just spinning around me. But I was aware. I was conscious. But there was complete peace. There was no fear. There was no anger. There was, it was the most peaceful experience I ever had. It wasn't necessarily bliss. It was peace. It was contentment. It was like going back to the womb of the universe. It's funny, isn't it? Because when I did ayahuasca, when I, my ayahuasca ceremony in 2017, 
that is exactly the same. What exactly how you've just described it then is exactly what happened in my ayahuasca experience. And the way that I described it was that my ego completely dissolved, any mm -hmm. sense of myself completely dissolved. And that feeling of being back in the womb, being back where, you know, just that feeling of oneness. So you sharing that as a near-death experience, me experiencing that in a psychedelic experience, and then I also had a similar experience through meditation, it just goes to show, to, that's where when I, sit, when I talk about truth and I talk about everybody understanding this kind of like the true nature of the universe, that's where I get my belief system from because I hear stories like yours and that confirms my own stories. And I then think to myself, well, this has to be what the universe is. This has to be at the, at the base level. We are consciousness. We are, you know, if you want to call it spirit, whatever you want to call it, that is what we are. And this human, this meat jacket that we're wearing at the moment is, uh, will fall at some point and then we'll move on to the next meat jacket, I believe. I think so too. Absolutely. And I, and I've done also like, like other than the UFOs and consciousness, I've, I've probably done, I don't know, at least 50 or 60 near death experiences. I've, I've interviewed or people who've done ayahuasca or had the experience that you and I have. And, uh, like, like, you know, initially when I first had this experience, I tried like telling my, 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 my ex-wife now I told her, I told her, she's like, you're, you're just, you know, it was just your brain, you know, electrical impulses in this. I'm like, no, no, this was freaking real, you know. And to try to explain that to, to somebody who hasn't had that experience is really, really difficult. Um, but when talking to people who've had that experience, like I remember the first time I – first interview I did with somebody, his name was Jim Jim Willis. And, um, and he had the same experience with an epileptic seizure. And I was like, oh. I'm not the only one. And I knew it was real. I'm <laughs> like, finally, you know. <laughs> Validation. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, it, you know, you said the word then, experiences. Uh, I always say this. When we're talking about spiritual experiences, you can't, you have to experience it. Like, I can't sit here and explain to you what my spiritual experiences were and you and expect you to just understand that if you've never had anything similar. Mm -hmm. So we all have to have had some sort of spiritual experience in order to be able to, you know, um, communicate that because it's, it's, it's damn near impossible. You know, like when I was writing the books, I would always Google how, you know, like how do, how do I put this into words? So when you Google spiritual experiences, you know, it comes up with all these explanations. And I was just borrowing from those words because I had no reference point, you know. I had mm -hmm. no, like, I, I didn't know the words that I needed to use um, in order to try to create a visual image of what, what it was like. And I don't know, when you read those pages, I don't know what that conjures up in your mind. But I know that because you've had certain experiences, you'll be much closer than somebody who hasn't had one of those experiences. Absolutely. And that's one of the things I also do is I encourage people to experiment with their consciousness to try to have these experiences, you know, whether it's through the use of psychedelics or meditation or binaural beats or hypnotism or shamanic trance. You know, there, there's, there's endless amounts of ways to, to, to reach those states of mind. And, yeah. uh, but, but now, you know, I have to say that for me, like the after effect, um, 
you know, at, at first I was okay, but then, you know, my wife thought I was going insane and it ended in divorce. And then I had to move and, and, and like, like it's like I'm experiencing the counter side to that, which is just complete chaos, you know, and my sensitivity level to things is over the top. Like somebody says something to me, I react so intensely now, you know, where, where before I still had that wall between me and my heart when I felt my heart. Now that wall is gone, so everything seems like way more intense. And trying to learn learn how to navigate that has been tough. I don't know if you've had that experience, but it's been tough for me. I haven't had that experience. The only the only thing I can relate to that is when I when I was in addiction because mm-hmm. I had no there was no pause button. Then. <laughs> <laughs> That's kind of what it's like now for me in a weird yeah. way, you know. But I'm not in addiction, but I'm still having these. Trying to have to figure out how to cope in a new way, you know, with the intensity. Yeah. Well, I suppose it's, you know, and I can't speak for you because obviously it's your experience, but I suppose it's just, you know, you're 35 years in recovery, which is a hell of a long time. And I suppose that the further down the line you go, the more in contact, in the more experience you have of feeling your feelings, you know, and, and like, so as an example, like as I become more adept at feeling my feelings and not picking up things to fix myself, you know, like it, it doesn't have to be alcohol. It could be sex. It could be food. It could yeah. be shopping. It could be anything, work. As I'm becoming more adept at, at not doing that and just feeling the feelings, maybe that's what's happened to you. Maybe just that barrier has between you know the feeling and, and you experiencing it has just gone now and it's like can you cope <laughs> can, you, can, you, can, you, can you manage it <laughs> but yeah yeah and it's kind of like being back in like early recovery because i remember like when i when i stopped you know using drugs and alcohol i was left with those feelings you know and, and everything was overwhelming to me because i had shut it off for so long yeah, yeah, yeah. Sounds sounds hard. <laughs> <laughs> but I, you know, but I, I feel. I mean, just because I've, 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 you know, been in recovery for a few years, I still feel that way. You know, like if there's something that, like you said, if something affects me, like if it's something that brings me to anger, or you know, especially like it, those closest to me, if they do something, I feel like they've done something that has angered me and and or you know disappointed me um i am quick i am quick to react to those emotions and i have to really really work hard at responding rather than reacting you know i have to really work on that um it does it hasn't got any i mean it's got easier definitely um but it's still hard is what i'm trying to say it's not it's not like a I'm certainly no guru, that's for sure. I'm certainly no, like, a, you know, a, I'm not in any way. Um, I would I would never say to anybody that I'm, you know, like I'm a great role model of being a human being. I'd just say that, I'm like, I just struggle as much as everybody else. Mm-hmm. Yeah, me too. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, so, um, but yeah, I mean, I think that the future for me now is, is that I will... Um, continue to just take it easy and keep it simple and then who knows 
the, I'm, I'm a creative person, so definitely I, I imagine that whether it's another book or whether it'll be something else creative, something will will happen. I'm actually getting married on uh, Saturday. Oh, so Congratulations. Uh, thank you very much. So uh, after the wedding and the honeymoon, then I'm going to start, you know, I used to be an artist. I did a fine art degree and I've not done anything artistic for many years. So I think I'm going to start learning Photoshop and, and doing some kind of di- digital and graphic art type stuff i think that's where my next venture awesome yeah it, it's tough you know like i i've played music you know i'm a guitar player like, i've always had some type of creativity thing going on i was playing music writing podcasting you know and, and a friend of mine has a saying if i'm not creating something i'm breaking something <laughs> <laughs> yeah that's good I like that. yeah i mean i don't know about you but the one thing that i've always had to be careful of is is my ego getting involved with everything that i do so i can't i can't do things without there being a point to it you know like i couldn't just sit down and draw a picture it would always have to be like i, I want i want to use this as a logo for something or you know i i um i couldn't just sit down and write a book and not try to get it published or not publish it myself mm-hmm. there's always there always has to be like an end goal so whatever it is that i do next i'm just going to try to do it for the enjoyment of doing it like when i was a kid i used to paint paintings just for the enjoyment of painting you know and and i haven't done that for such a long time that um yeah that i want to do that and i think that that's just about dissolving my ego and and trying not to just trying to be as humble as I can, you know. You can't, like you're not allowed to say that. It's something Sorry. I need to try too. <laughs> <laughs> Sometimes I get too fixated, too fixated on uh, where I want to go, rather than just being. Yeah, it's hard here. It's yeah, it's hard, isn't it? I mean, we're taught society teaches us to be ambitious and to achieve, and I mean, without sounding trite, I genuinely feel like i've achieved everything that i ever wanted to achieve you know and the the main thing was having a family and being a good dad and that was that is what i am today so um i don't feel like i need to prove myself anymore i had a massive light bulb moment when i did i did my the last episode or one of the last episodes uh sorry no but the 50th episode of my podcast was with my dad and my dad actually apologized to me uh, for abandoning me you know within the relationship when i was a, when i was a kid due to his alcoholism and and as a result of that conversation I, I realized that i'd spent my entire life trying to get the approval of men that i didn't even really like hmm. and it was it was a it was a, an epiphany that I don't need to do that anymore. You know, I don't need to like, don't need to try to get the approval of anybody and especially people that I don't really like. Like that's just insanity, you know? Um, so I stopped that. And when I stopped doing that, um, I felt a lot of relief. I felt as though I didn't have to beat myself up for not achieving things. Wow. I hope I get to that point. That's <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Happens when it happens, doesn't it? Yeah. Um, so before we wrap it up, where is the best place for my listeners to find you, find your book? 
you go to any of the usual sources like Amazon, um, that would be Amazon, Barnes and Noble would be uh, the best place to go and buy it. Uh, but any information about myself and the books, you can go to www.o-books.com. So that website um, has all my information. That's o-books.com. So uh, send me an email with that link in it so I can put it in the notes of this episode so my listeners will be able to look you up and check you out, get your books, see what you're up to. Yeah, I will do. Awesome. Well, it was a pleasure talking to you, man. Thank you for taking the time to come on today. Thanks very much, Gary. I really appreciate it. It's been a really nice conversation and I wish you all the best with your your podcast. Thanks. And I wish you all the best with uh, the marriage and the new life. Thank you very much. Thank you. And just hang on for one moment. I'm just going to play the outro. Thank you for listening to Everything Imaginable. You can reach Gary at everythingimaginable2020.com or message him at everythingimaginable2020 at gmail.com. He's also on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and LinkedIn. You can buy t-shirts, coffee mugs, and other merchandise to support the cost of producing this podcast. Click on the merchandise link at the top of this page, www.everythingimaginable2020.com. You can also buy the book Enlightenment Guaranteed. It's the only book on Zen that you'll ever need. You can find it on Amazon and it will change your life. Because remember, everything that it says...